Blog Talk Radio. Everybody and welcome to the latest episode of Trundlebed Tales, the show where we talk about Laura Ingalls Wilder, one room school, social history, and uh, food history and other social history. This is your host and the creator of Trundlebed Tales, Sarah Utoff. And as you might have noticed, this is the second episode. Uh, that we are trying with Nicholas Inman, who did call in on time and, in fact, early today. But my uh, computer decided not to let me log in, so I just got on by calling in on my cell phone. So I hope that you will uh, let me go ahead and excuse any problem with the sound. Uh, before we get to Nicholas, though, I want to... Uh, do a little housekeeping. And, and as a reminder, uh, most LoRa events are canceled uh, for the foreseeable future. Uh, there's some this summer that they haven't decided about yet, and we haven't gotten any word on when the LoRa home sites are opening, although we hope to hear good news soon. Uh, be sure to check out my YouTube channel where I've been uploading the video of my trip to Mansfield. And in fact, tomorrow I'm going to be uploading the real-time walk between the Rock House and Rocky Ridge Farmhouse. And every day at at 3.30 Central Time, be sure to log in to Allison Engram's Facebook page where she's reading us the Little House series two chapters at a time. And I think that's all we have today for housekeeping, except for, again, apologies that we got off to a rocky start. But I haven't had this much trouble with technology starting a podcast in ages. So hopefully that'll be the only thing that goes wrong. And welcome aboard, Nicholas. <laughs> we're just oh. having bad luck, aren't we? <laughs> hey, but we're finally on together, so that's great. Yes. And thank you for hanging on as it was past time and I still wasn't there. So I guess no we're problem. Even. <laughs> okay. Let's start out uh, with you just telling people a little bit about yourself. Well, okay. So, as you mentioned, my name is Nicholas Inman. Um, love all things Laura Ingalls Wilder. Love American history. Um, have been involved with the Wilder home in one form or another for many years. And uh, it's an exciting adventure to now begin my second season as director. And... Uh... I re- and I got to uh, see it under your watch on my trip in September, and I uh, I just was very impressed. 
I think that you're going to be a good thing for Mansfield. Thank you. We were glad to welcome you here. I've been loving your videos about the visit, too. Oh, well, thank you. Um, yeah. I got another one done this morning. I had, uh, um, I couldn't remember the name to a song I should have known. <laughs> but oh. I got that nailed down. So we'll have another episode going up uh, a Monday. It's all done now. So Great. Great. All right. So um, this isn't the best question to start with long-term, but in the short-term, okay. how is the site dealing with the closure because of the virus? Well, you know, we had opened in March, so unlike some of the other sites, we had already been in operation, and we're going full force, and we're having school visits and doing all those things, and then all of a sudden it was like a light switch went off. We began to see numbers drop dramatically, and um, you know, we just really had no choice to close, not only for the protection of our guests, but also for our staff. And we are operating as we would during our off-season, um, still making sure that the grounds are maintained and doing everything we can. Um, of course, we've done a thorough cleaning through the building um, after all the guests left, and uh, just using this time to regroup and get ready for whenever we will reopen, which we still have not determine an exact date. We're still watching many things. Um, the Missouri governor's order expires on May the 3rd, but um, phase one um, you know, does not include extra travel. So we are watching as that kind of plays out to see when travel will begin again and when will it be safe for us to open for guests. Well, and a, a friend of mine, uh, actually a library friend of mine, was uh, down there um, visiting his wife's parents the uh, week after Kirkwood closed, and you guys were still open. But he said he had a great experience. There wasn't Good. hardly anybody there, but it was still yes. a great time. So you we were doing real well open. still in March. We tried to stay as open as long as we could um, until we just absolutely had to close. So uh, do, uh, can people still order from the gift shop? Yes, yes, and we've been getting lots of orders. And, of course, we've still tried to maintain an active presence through our Facebook page, trying to um, keep guests and fans interested um, in what's happening at Rocky Ridge by showing a few videos, bringing a few things out of the collection to talk about, um, featuring different items from the gift shop. But yes, they can go on and they can order from the gift shop, and we'll get that out in uh, expedited order. Yes, and on your Facebook page, you've done a tour of the kitchen and of the uh, little writing room, Laura's desk, and the upstairs bedroom. And they have just been great. So whoever's doing the camera work, tell them more slow sweeps. Okay, okay. <laughs> but it's, it's pretty much uh, been a, a variety of us. So uh, it's it's been uh, we've we've had a lot to learn as we've been doing this. But we really think it's important to keep people engaged, and we're really excited that people have been enjoying it. It certainly is, and I I certainly have been enjoying them. Uh, and I just just another shout out. Like all of the Laura Home sites, uh, Mansfield does get a decent amount of their operating budget from the gift shop and admissions. And while admissions and uh, especially the bus tours from schools 
uh, are not happening this year, or at least so far this year, it's really important. If you want to make sure Laura's site is still there for you to visit when you can, buy something now and help them keep going. Certainly, yes. Thank you. All right. Now, uh, before we get going too far into what's going on now, I'd just like to um, take a moment and uh, remember Jean Coday, who uh, was the director there at Mansfield and involved in running the site basically since the 1960s, so she wasn't the director right away. And um, did you... uh, or did you have something to say about her, just a little short something? Oh, sure. Mrs. Cody was one of my dearest friends, and I had the honor of working beside her for some time. Um, and before coming to be an you know, official employee at the Wilder Home, um, we worked on many projects together over the years. And so um, it certainly is an honor to be in a position where I get to continue um working on the things that were important to her. And, of course, I kind of know what her future, her plans were, and we talked about those in depth. So um, Mrs. Cody was a great um, asset to the Wilder home. If it wasn't for Mrs. Cody, I really believe we would not have the new museum that we have. She had great foresight, and uh, we miss her terribly. Yes, and I think it was really good you got that new museum because uh, I, what I always said about the old one was that uh, the in the early press, they quite often said fireproof museum, and I think that maybe was the defining factor of the design of it. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad you have a nice new one. Yeah. Uh, so how did you get the job as director? Well... <laughs> you know, I've been on the board for a while. Um, well, let, let me back up and mention, uh, I had said in my introduction that I'd been involved with the Wilder Home in various capacities over the years. Uh, my first visit to Rocky Ridge uh, was as a very young man and came over, uh, what my grandmother brought me over in the in the 80s, and Mrs. Lichty gave me my first tour. And then the second time I visited, Connie Tidwell was in charge, and so um, you know, kind of got acquainted with Connie Tidwell, and then of course developed a relationship with Mrs. Cody. And so through the years, um, my grandmother and I, um, and then later after I married my wife and I, and then had children and my children, we've we've volunteered here a great deal. And over the years, um, you know the the opportunities to volunteer increased and Mrs. Cody would ask me to do various things and then um, I started organizing the Wilder Dinner uh, which uh, is the dinner that takes place the night before Wilder Day and from that um, grew more hands-on participation and Mrs. Cody would ask me to take on responsibilities and then was um, voted onto the board and after a while, um, it became evident Mrs. Cody needed um, some more assistance, and she asked if I would become the assistant director. And so I was pretty much already doing the task of the assistant director. I would come over and volunteer several days of the week doing that job. And so um became the assistant director in her last board meeting. And then um, just a short time after that, Mrs. Cody passed away, and so then, um, of course, 
the her idea was that uh, in the role as assistant director that I would follow her as director. It just we hadn't planned that it would take place so soon. But um, then I, of course, took over as director upon her passing, and um, that's kind of how it all played out. So she was there uh, in the museum for about half a century. Are you planning on being there a long time? Oh, wow. Well, I love this job. I love Rocky Ridge Farm. I love preserving history. And so, uh, you know, I want to be here as long as I can be here. Um, As I mentioned, I've been fortunate to know all the women who served in this job before me. And so find that a great honor to continue their legacies of work. And, yes, I I love it here. Well, that's good to hear. (laughs) Now, um, as the museum was organized as a whole, it's always been kind of siloed. Um, Like the first time I went, uh, I was trying to get – I had a question about membership, and uh, everybody I asked would kind of send me – to a different place, so I mm-hmm. and that's that's been quite a while ago. But uh, it seemed kind of like people were in charge of different things and didn't really there wasn't as much as um, an overall connection. Is, mm-hmm. is that something that you're going to be working on changing? Oh yes, I think communication is essential to the operation of the museum and the association, and so. Um, you know, I've really tried to make sure that we're all knowledgeable about what's happening here. I've also tried to cross-train many of the employees so that uh, someone can work in the gift shop or they can give a tour or whatever um, to try to make it where we all understand what's going on and have a firm understanding of the history of the Wilder family. So, yes, I think that's very important. Good. Um so what is the main part of your job as director? What do you do? Um, a lot of it's administrative. Of course, you know, dealing with bills and um, dealing with employee situations and approving expenditures, approving schedules, um, you know, things of that nature, um, advertising, planning events, writing grants, um, just a little bit of everything. And what's your favorite part of the Mansfield site? Oh, the favorite, my favorite part is actually an artifact. Um, you know, I just love Paul's fiddle, and I love people's reaction uh, when they see it. Uh, it's it's uh, one of those items that has a lot of sentimental value to people, and I've watched grown men break down and become emotional as it takes them back to their childhood. I've watched visitors, international visitors, just become overwhelmed with excitement as they've seen it. Uh, it's an artifact that kind of unites all of us as fans. And I think that uh, would be my favorite favorite part of the, of the farm. It really is a powerful mm-hmm. thing. Um, the is. first time I was down there for Wilder Days, which has been longer ago than I like to remember, uh, they we're playing pod fiddle two different times and I made Mm -hmm. my mom sit there for both of them, which she was not, not really thinking was the greatest thing. She said, you heard it (laughs) once. And I said, it's pod fiddle. Well, it is. The the strains of music from that instrument just take you, transport you to the books and you can just hear what, 
you know, so much of the books, um, the sights and sounds you have to picture in your mind. But that's one item that you can actually hear what Laura heard. And I think that's just fascinating. I love it. So uh, while we're talking favorites, what's your favorite part of the job? Oh, wow. I'm meeting, of course, I don't get to get out and meet our guests as often as I would like to because I work a lot in the office, but uh, I love that. I love to see school children come in. You know, I was first introduced to Mrs. Wilder, um, well, officially, um, book-wise. I I visited here long before I began to read the books, Um, but my third-grade teacher read On the Banks of Plum Creek to us in the third grade, and that's when I really fell in love with the stories and so I love school tours and when the third especially around the age of third grade when the third and fourth graders come I just love that and I can see myself in them getting excited and uh, those things coming to life to them by visiting and as I said I had visited here before ever having exposure to the books so then after having had exposure to the books to visit here, it was a whole new ball game to see things in a different perspective. And I love to see that excitement in them. So that's the, my favorite part of the job is to get to interact with students and guests. That is a great answer. It's interesting you learned about them in school because that, that's true of a lot of people. And for things that's really outside the outside the ability to change of a lot of teachers, mm-hmm. that's no longer happening as near as much. And I'm sorry about that. You know, I'll add this. When I was hired as director, I wrote my third grade teacher and said, I want to thank you for exposing us to the books. If I really feel that had you not uh, read those books to us, I might not be the director today. And she wrote back and said, number one, uh, congratulations, Number two, your penmanship was not this poor in the third grade. I expect improvement. <laughs> and and number three, I sure would like a percentage of anything you make because I'm a retired teacher. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so um, what, I mean, you've already kind of answered this a little bit, but what uh, you've said uh, that, you know, you um, – learned about the book through through that teacher, and you'd been out mm-hmm. to the site enough to met all the directors. But yeah. uh, what kind of is your background with Laura? Did you reread the book? Did you try any of the things in them? What, what yes. did you do to play, in quotes, play Laura when you were a kid? Oh, well, as I mentioned, um, the banks of, on the banks of Plum Creek was my first exposure and still remains my favorite book. Um, and I, as a little boy, I could just picture myself uh, being in a setting like that. And as the teacher would read, I could just fantasize about all those things. And um, I used to, <laughs> this sounds crazy, but I would get out the encyclopedia, the C-CH encyclopedia, and look at pictures of chickens while the teacher would read on the banks of Plum <laughs> Creek. And I would just picture the um you know, the animals that would have been there and all the things that would have gone on. And um, our classroom didn't have the set of encyclopedias. It was a neighboring classroom. And when that teacher retired, 
I was, you know, a much older student, and she came and found me at school and gave me the C-CH encyclopedia because I requested it so often. But uh, so, I think I think that's awful funny that, uh, you know, that I would imagine it in that fashion. But uh, yes, I, of course, they transport you to a different place. And when we read Farmer Boy. Could just picture myself as a you know as a boy on that farm and wanted to be a farmer at that point and as a little boy and um, so yes um, I guess um, all through childhood in some form or fashion um, you know the the books have spoken to me in my imagination and uh, really gripped me as a reader and so even today um, I encourage the staff every uh, every off season for us to reread the books and to re-engage ourselves and to imagine it from a child's perspective and you know, to relearn those facts and things and to brush up on it. And so I find it fun to go through and reread some of my favorites. It's great. Well, reading about chickens in the cyclopedia has never come up as an example of people <laughs> play horror before. It sounds but completely I, crazy, I but... <laughs> no, it is not crazy at all because really I think having animals makes mm-hmm. a place come to life. You know, a farm it, without it animals me. just feels so empty. And yep. and they certainly are a part of, of Laura's life. Um, yes. Though though I was I was quite devastated to learn later on that her chickens they laid white eggs. Yeah. We yeah. were always brown egg people. <laughs> And, yep. and I was crushed, but well, I've learned more about leghorns, and I'm still crushed. <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, Cleo Chambers, who is a staff member here at the Wilder Home, is the only staff member that we currently have that knew Mrs. Wilder. And she speaks as a child helping to gather Mrs. Wilder's eggs. And oh, I love wow. Yeah, I love to hear the stories that involve the animals of the farm and picture her amongst them because it takes me back to childhood memories. So um, I love to hear Cleo's stories about that. And I often have her speak to school groups and tell those stories because kids love to hear the stories that involve the animals. Well, that's great. You ought to have her do a short video. That I would love Yes, to we've talked about that. that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, that's that's because we always, that's what you did. If you had kids and you had chickens, you always took them out to gather eggs. I remember when I was little, my grandmother, um, it, she would cut a hole in the corner of a black garbage bag as a rain thing and take me out to gather eggs even if it was raining. <laughs> yep. I, I've always enjoyed is- gathering eggs. This this is not a Laura thing at all, but uh, and gathering eggs always makes me think of um, my grandmother was ga- gathering eggs sometime, and my brother was real little. He was he was like three or so, and I was across on the other side of the chicken coop, and we had roosters because she mm-hmm. always believed that fertilized eggs were better, even though we weren't raising chicks. And mm-hmm. this rooster went at Robbie, and she was over by me, and she had a basket full of eggs. And oh. she tossed that basket all the way across the chicken coop, which was pretty long. And we had a pretty big chicken coop because she used to do eggs from mm-hmm. you know, Solomon Town. And she nailed that rooster. <laughs> <laughs> it only, only broke two 
Wow. Wow. <laughs> well, okay. there's well, lots. I love I love stories like that, and and you know we still have chickens here at Rocky Ridge, and of course I Mrs. Do. Wilder was so successful in in selling eggs and uh, with her with her chickens, and so I think it's fun to still have them here on the farm. I I think it's great too, and I think you have kind of more of a mix there, so I hope at least some of them lay brown eggs because yeah. they're much better. <laughs> yes. Okay. Um, so another thing that you're involved in is the Cherry Blossom Festival. And uh, before we get into the other part, you had to do it a little differently this year because it was this last weekend usually, right? That's exactly right. It's always the last weekend in April. And this would have this is our 15th year. And so we felt it was very important to have continuity and to keep people engaged, so we decided to do Cherry Blossom Home Edition versus, you know, the live version that you would normally see during Cherry Blossom time. And the mission of the Cherry Blossom Festival is to preserve American history. And we love to uh, have, you know, American history encompasses a lot of things, from uh, famous authors to um, presidential descendants to those who've worked in the White House to pop culture. Uh, history involves a lot of things. So it's pretty much like you put history in a blender and it blows up for three days. And we have panels of all varieties yeah. and interviews, and it's kind of interesting. And we've always had a strong relationship with the Wilder home. And I would have to say, uh, if other anybody is uh, unaware of the Cherry Blossom Festival, it is actually in Marshfield, not Mansfield, yes. Marshfield. Right. And uh, and they do have what I would consider nationally, um, national level speakers, and quite a few of them. I haven't made it yet. You know, it's on my to-do list, and hopefully I will sometime. Yeah. We always have something about Mrs. Wilder, and uh, I think you would really enjoy it. And for many years, um, we've always tried to support the Wilder home because we feel like, of course, we're both – working towards preserving history. And so um, as part of our program, we have the Wilder Luncheon, and the uh, proceeds from the luncheon all go to benefit the Wilder home. And uh, you started something new. I think it was last year you started it, uh, the Children's Literature Festival. And yeah. um, they, so let's hear a little bit about that. Well, we have found um, here in Missouri in particular um, not as many classrooms are teaching Mrs. Wilder as they used to. As So many places are going to state-mandated testing across the country, mm-hmm. and Mrs. Wilder's kind of getting the short end of the stick in that process. So we felt it was really important to re-engage another generation about Mrs. Wilder. And so we thought, well, you know, Mrs. Wilder is the epitome of children's literature, we feel. So we decided to organize the Laura Ingalls Wilder Children's Literature Festival. And last year held the first one in conjunction with the Cherry Blossom Festival so that we could use some of the authors that were attending. Um, And that really worked well as a place to begin. But we um, wanted it to grow. And, of course, they would go and hear the authors and then come visit the farm well, Marshfield is a little bit of a distance from Mansfield, so to be able, as a school group, to do both really stretched your time. So we decided this year to move it to Mansfield. It'll be held in November. 
and we are excited to uh, actually host the Literature Festival in Mansfield, and it'll be a shorter visit, uh, I mean, a shorter trip by bus from the the community center to Rocky Ridge Farm. And we have many wonderful children's authors from all over the country who are attending. And we're expanding a little bit. We'll be having a dinner one night. And um, it's going to really be exciting, and we hope that it will continue to grow. And one of, uh, you know, each author speaks about their books, but we're also having a section where um, one of our docents dresses as Mrs. Wilder, and they'll hear from her speaking about, Mrs. Wilder just in particular. So I think it will be a great educational tool. Last year we had hundreds of students come through from several different schools, and we were very pleased with the turnout, and this year we're hoping to see even more. Well, I I think it's so great that you're starting one, uh, especially uh, sort of around Laura as uh, lodestone or touchstone, because you know, I I have seen a lot of authors talk because as a librarian we go to children's literature festivals around sure. here, and there used to be two uh, right in you know within a few miles, and they have both um, disbanded, and that's true I think of a lot of children's book festivals around the country. So I am very glad that you're starting a new one. And I wish you all the best. And it is also on my to-do list, but I don't know. I have a long to-do list. I hope I get done. <laughs> well, hey, you just keep working on them. Whittle that list away. And this year at the museum, you had a theme. Uh, mm-hmm. What? Uh, what? And it was this this year. It or last year it was rose, and mm-hmm. this year it was supposed to be more agriculture, right? Well, this year, actually, um, yes, we ha- part of it is agricultural, but the other portion is Carrie. Um, and we've done a special exhibit about Carrie in the uh, lobby of the museum uh, where we had our rose items. We've brought out items from the collection that pertain to Carrie. And since it would have been her 150th birthday year, and Carrie is the only sister to have visited Rocky Ridge. So, um, yeah. It's kind of a twofold thing, I guess you'd say, this season. And uh, how is how different is a themed tour from a regular tour? Well, let me and clarify this first. The carry our items. It's not an you know an individual individual tour. It's just you know artifacts for you to look at that pertain oh, to Carrie's life. Yeah, but the agricultural side is uh, we call it the farm tour has been a tour that has been featured this year. When we reopen, we may take a pause from that for a while as we regroup with how we do tours um, because of the virus, but uh, we were having great success with it. And to further answer your question, um, the, the individual tours or the themed tours are different than the home tours. Uh, for instance, with the farm tour, um, you get a a docent-led tour through um, the workshop area um, where they speak about Mr. Wilder's uh, tools that otherwise you would just walk through and read the signs. And then they give you a personalized tour of different sections of the farm, speaking about the agricultural side, showing you pictures from the time period in which the Wilders were farming, um, you know, 
speaking about all those things that we don't get to cover in a normal tour. Uh, you don't go in the farmhouse uh, on the farm tour, but you do. It's all outside, and it's um, very informative. And um, Stanley Jones has been the docent who's been leading that, and he's very um, knowledgeable about the Wilders and is a great tour guide. And we've, uh, you know, a lot of men have enjoyed this tour, but ladies as well. But, uh, you know, I think Mr. Wilder, in telling the story of the farmhouse, we speak about him a lot, but we don't often get to go in great detail about some of his interest. So it really allows us to speak further about um, the farm, the farm side, which is you know, was very much, and we forget Rocky Ridge was a, a highly successful farm. And we could speak about the apple orchard, and the, we mentioned the chickens a while ago, uh, Mr. Wilder's goats, so many different things of the farming aspect that get to come to life just on the farm tour. Uh, last year when we did Rose's tour, we did go into the farmhouse um, and, to, and into the rock house, but they were specifically um, speaking about Rose. It was a, a completely different tour than you normally would receive. Um, and there were portions of it that took place here at the museum with Rose's artifacts. And uh, it was a highly successful tour as well. We uh, really forced us to dig deeper in our knowledge about Rose, who if it hadn't been for Rose, we wouldn't have all that we have here. So it was a great way to pay tribute to her. So yes, that, so, uh, I guess the... the to answer your question, it is a completely different tour than the regular farm tour, and many guests are doing both, um, and they've enjoyed that. Well, good. Um, so you had a couple um, temporary exhibits this last year, and one was the TV show, and one was Almanza's Tool Shed. Are you going to keep Almanza's tool shed up for a while? It sounds like with the farm. Actually, it's a permanent thing. Yeah, it's it's a permanent thing. Oh, Mm -hmm. good. Yes, Um, but the show exhibit was a temporary exhibit, and we are looking at different kinds of temporary exhibits to have, uh, you know, to rotate things from the collection as well, um, so that we can let items rest and bring out items that we haven't had room to display, things of that nature, like last year. We brought out items that had never been on display that had belonged to Rose, which were nice. Um, with Carrie this year, we've brought out items from the archives that we've never had on public display. So uh, it's been nice to you know, really um, put out different things, feature different items. And with the, the show display, it was great because um, so many of those uh, guests who walked through our doors have been exposed to Mrs. Wilder, not through books, but through the show. And it really causes them, upon visiting here, to become further interested in the books and more about her life as we know it really took place. And so, um, you know, I think it was important to pay tribute to the show's anniversary because they have played a huge part in the number of guests that come through the door um, who we we usually just think of as fans of the books, but we see visitors of both kinds, and then they all end up being fans of the books in the end. Well, uh, if now I have only been down there last year since the museum was open. Uh, is there normally anything about the the Little House TV show? There's a 
if you remember, uh, there was kind of a backdrop that had a picture of the family um, from the show and a little information about each of those characters. That's a standing part of the museum. And we just added those um, specific items um, to that okay. already um, piece that was in existence. So um, another thing that you've done uh, sort of short-term in the last few years, I don't, I'm not sure if you did any last, no, I think you did one last year, the Just a Mirror Club event. Mm-hmm. Are you going to continue to try that, or was it an experiment? Uh, yes, of course, things are kind of on hold right now with the circumstances that we find ourselves in, but yes, the plan is by staff to continue to work on that um, because those I, those events were a lot of fun. Uh, you know, they did several hands-on uh, things as well. So, um, yeah, we hope to do that because that really engaged visitors in a different direction. And I just love that name of a club, Just a Mirror. Um, yes. And I actually found out there was more than one, though I'm not entirely sure whether they were connected or people just came mm-hmm. up with the same name. Yeah, um, they were. They were there were clubs such as that across the country, and of course, Mrs. Wilder belonged to was very active in the Justamere Club, um, and so um, our board voted uh, when Mrs. Cody was still here to eventually form an auxiliary of volunteers and to call it um, the Justamere Auxiliary, and so that may be a project later down the road that we will be working on. Um, but yes, that Justamere name is synonymous with a lot of the work of Mrs. Wilder, and we we thought it was really catchy and a great way to honor something that she was so actively involved in. Well, it's just such a fun thing to say, just a mirror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. Okay, you've been doing a lot more restoration uh, than you had been in the last couple of years. Uh, what sparked that, and what's under progress right now? Well, you know, with any property or any historical site, there's always continual maintenance and updating and upgrades and things. So we've just been trying to stay on top of those things um, with signage and things, um, maintaining buildings, keeping the grounds going, all those things so that everything looks new and fresh and welcoming to our visitors. And so that's we're just continuing to run our normal maintenance routine Um and you just never know what might be in store around here, but right now we're just continuing our normal maintenance routine um, and trying to keep everything updated in that regard. And in the last couple of years, you did the quilt and I think one of the chairs. Mm-hmm. And Yes, and we have some furniture actually that's being restored right now, and hopefully we'll see that return to its normal place um, in short order. Of course, that's all been affected by the virus as well. But, um, you know, we think it's very important to restore the items that belong to the wilder so that future generations can enjoy them. And um, same with doing restoration work around the farm. Um, you know, we we have to maintain everything with the knowledge for tomorrow's generation in mind. And so we really try to focus on that and keep things going in that regard. Do you have a, a project in mind right now, either physically with the farmhouse and area or with something like uh, an artifact in the house or one in your collection? Well, 
we've discussed several items. We haven't actually uh, made a definite decision on what's going to be the next physical item or artifact from the house to be restored, although we are discussing that, the curator and I. Um, the, but the next big project for the farm, of course, the old museum is going to be coming down, um, hopefully, in the near future. And when that happens, it is the goal of the board to, uh, at some point, be able to build a barn to replicate, you know, what was here that can be usable. So uh, there's always, uh, you know, future plans in the works here at the farm and uh, trying to, you know, restore everything back to the way that it was. And I, I think the idea of uh, a barn or uh, something like a barn is, is a good idea because that's one thing I think most of the home sites, not all, most of the home sites don't have. They build the house but not the stable or shed or barn, whatever it is, which is, I think, too bad because when you live on a farm or I'm sure or homesteading, so much of the work is outside that the True. barn is just as important as the house. In fact, my grandfather always used to say that if you wanted to see if a, someone was a really good farmer or not, that barn would look better than the house. Yes, so, right. That's okay. true. And often when you travel the Midwest, you will notice that um, the house seems to be an afterthought because the barn yeah. and the outbuildings will be so magnificent and, and huge and beautiful, and then you'll see this little dumpy house or something, you know. Um, yeah. But the, the barns are often the most crucial portion of the farm and can only imagine the hours that were spent inside of it. But we were lucky. That we're fortunate here. The farmhouse is a beautiful um, featured piece of the farm, but I think a barn will be a great addition to what we have here at Rocky Ridge. Uh, now, when I was there, uh, the upstairs uh, bedroom, which had been restored in the farmhouse, was closed uh, mm -hmm. because there was a problem with the fire marshal, I think. Uh, well, what was the follow-up to that? You know, it's closed all year long, the upstairs, and normally the only day that it is open is on Wilder Day, and we allow people to go up to look in the bedroom and come back down. And when you think about the age of the house, and we normally put, you know, over a thousand people through there on Wilder Day, and all those people going upstairs. Uh, it was just the final determination was that the house could no longer stand that number of people going up the stairs and onto the second level, um, in that large of capacity in one day. So the decision was hard to make, but it, we had to think of the uh, structure and the, of course, the safety of everyone concerned. So this was the first year on Wilder Day that that was um, not part of the program and will continue not to be in the future. So um, unfortunately, um, you know, that won't, won't get to happen, but at least we were able to provide a video for people to be able to watch on the Facebook page because it's not a room that is on the normal home tour. Well, I... I'm sorry about that, but I certainly understand. The safety yeah. has to come first. Although I must say my, my favorite part of going through the house, and this will probably sound weird, but it, it's the up and over of the steps between mm -hmm. where she had a writing desk and the living room. Just sure. because, I, I mean, I know she walked the whole house, but there's something about going 
up the stairs and down the stairs purposely just feels like you're a part of what was going on in the house. Well, that's neat. Yeah, a good perspective. So um, uh, Wilder Days moved from last year from being centered downtown to having most activities on the Wilder grounds. Now, if any of the listeners are unfamiliar with that, most of the Laura home sites uh, in their towns have a days celebration. In the Midwest, that's very common. Like around here, the next town has beef days, and there's popcorn days, and the St. Jude Sweet Corn Festival, and, you know, all sorts of days. And in Mansfield, they have wilder days as opposed to Pepin, where they have Laura Days. So um, what is going on, uh, or what what um, went on last year? Do you think it was a success? Oh, yes. We saw more people participate in Wilder Day last year than we have in you know years. And we had record numbers here at Rocky Ridge Farm, which was wonderful. And being the first year, we learned a lot. Um we learned about what you know things that we needed to change, like having all the vendors on one side of the farm instead of trying to spread them out and trying to move people from one side to the other. Um, we learned a lot about that. We learned a lot about parking. We just learned a lot of different aspects that we could improve upon. So the Wilder Day Committee, which is composed of members of the staff here, uh, the Historical Society here in Mansfield, the city, um, just all different aspects, the chamber, um, have been looking at ways that we can improve upon it and yes it will be held here again this year and we've moved it from September to October it will now take place the second weekend in October every year and the reason for the move was that so many other festivals were beginning to develop as you mentioned so many towns have their own festivals and they were competing with us on that weekend so it was getting harder to get vendors and things of that nature so we hoped by moving to october uh we would have our own weekend so hopefully that'll be very successful again this year but uh it only made sense the festivals to honor mrs wilder so why wouldn't we have it at um, a location that is all about mrs wilder and there were things downtown last year, and we're going to continue to work with our neighbors downtown to try to facilitate people being involved all through Mansfield with activities. So, um, yeah, we were really excited about it and glad that it was so successful for such a dramatic change from tradition. And hopefully we will see the very same thing for this year. And... Um uh, were were there? Uh, you mentioned the vendors all being together. Were there any other changes that you're planning to make that would help people knowing going to you know in arriving at the event? Like, were, well, are they still going to have to get a ticket down at the museum first, or how's well, that all we're still work? discussing some of those aspects, trying to fine tune how all that will work, um, but. We we will be uh, moving the vendors. We've discussed some other options for how to do entertainment. Um, we've also discussed uh, ways that we could move some of the parking. We've just a whole variety of things that we are looking at for this year that will be different, but will certainly be an asset to how we're putting the, putting everything together here at the farm. So just stay tuned for that information, but know that we are actively working on it. 
And uh, is one thing you're looking at how are you changing between and go the two houses? Now, I am a slow walker, but it took me mm-hmm. 17 minutes. And mm-hmm. uh, there were uh, a lot more golf carts going between them at the end of the day than at the mm-hmm. beginning. So is, is yeah. there a plan? Now, you did have a, a, a people mover shuttle going between the, the two houses as well. Yeah, we had shuttles last year. But again, um, with making the loop going downtown, it really caused a delay in our shuttle service. So we're trying to add more shuttles and more golf carts so we can take people back and forth. Um, It's amazing to think that Mrs. Wilder walked that trail so often because it really wears a lot of people out. Um, Shows you how um, strong she was as a farm woman. But um, yes, we are looking at those things to try to improve transportation between both of those sites. I walked over and back. People should tuck yeah, it Hey, up. good for <laughs> you. Awesome. And it's a beautiful walk. It really is. It really is. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're not in a hurry. You can just take your time and stop and sit on the benches along the way. Um, on a beautiful day like it is today here in the Ozarks, it would be a beautiful day to walk it. It's not too hot, not too cold. Just perfect. And the views in the fall, the, the views, the vantage point up on top of the hill is just beautiful. And you really kind of go through different types of areas, too. There is, you know, the meadow, and then there is just kind of regular woods, and then there's a little section that reminds me of the haunted woods and and Mm -hmm. Anna Green Gables, Mm -hmm. and it's just a very interesting walk. It is, and it Uh, it gives you a different perspective. And uh, it's all through land the Wilders owned. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there is a warning about, uh, I can't remember, is it about wheelchairs just or, or something about the Yes, because the trail is only so wide, so we really try to encourage um, you know, people to be mindful of that as they make that trip back and forth. And um, It was not as wide as we originally had wanted it to be. Um, but we do see a lot of people with wheelchairs utilize it and with walkers and, um, you know, they just kind of, the big part is going up the hill. Uh, we always try to warn people that it is a distance and people always say, oh, I can do that. And well, then they get over there and they don't have the energy to get back. So really, you know, really be honest with yourself about how much in shape you are before you take on that, that little bit of a journey, especially in the heat. Um, and, of course, we are always telling people to stay on the trail. So many people like to want, try to wander to take pictures. But, you know, we are in the Ozarks, and there are snakes, and there are things that are off the trail. And so we really try to keep people on the trail itself. And I will say, if anybody is concerned about taking the trail in terms not of length but of angle, uh, I would recommend starting from the Rock House end instead exactly. of Rocky Ridge because I think the sharpest, uh, most difficult um, up and down part is right by the Rock House. And mm-hmm. if you are concerned, try that while you're fresh. And if you're like, oh, God, I can't handle this, then, mm-hmm. uh, you know, you can turn right around there rather than, exactly. you know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and then uh, one other event you have during Wilder Days is the Wilder Dinner, and you've had that for, is it three years now? 
Mm, yeah, three or four. Yeah. I forget how many years and it's been. Now the years add up after a while. <laughs> they do. Uh, and that involves, uh, well, you can do as an extra special reception, and then there's a meal, and there's an auction, and they play Paz Fiddle, so if you want to hear every opportunity of hearing Paz Fiddle, you have to go to yes. that. And they usually have a speaker, and mm-hmm. uh, any idea who that's going to be this year? We're still working on that, but it will be uh, it'll be somebody everybody will enjoy, I'm sure. We've had great speakers okay. in the past. We've had, of course, Allison Ongrom and Dean Butler and Karen Grassley. We've had some great speakers. So um, I, we, we've got a tradition to follow. And um, kind of looking forward a little bit, uh, are you? What is the status of um, getting into the archives or looking at some of the artifacts? that are pulled back. Is there uh, a process now, or are we still kind of um, thinking about it? Well, here's where we are with that in particular situation. Uh, I shouldn't say situation, but the question. Um, We are working right now on an archive policy, which um, I feel is very important. And the second thing, um, I've really felt it was important at some point to make the archives um, accessible by digitizing things. So we've been working uh, with a copyright attorney and things, trying to learn about all of those things. Um, so there is work being done um, for the future of the archive, and we will be hopefully rolling out information about that in the future. Um, no, Nothing definite has been decided, but we are working and exploring on what we're going to be able to do in the future. So um, it is certainly our goal. We want people to be able to continue to learn about Mrs. Wilder and to have access to the information that would make that possible. And we try to work with Request Now to help historians and things in and fashions in the way we can with limited staff. Um, but yes, we are working on that, doing our research, trying to figure out how we're going to make that happen because that is certainly at the top of my list as director to want to see, um, see us to go into the future as a way that people can continue to have a great source of information to do their research. And I know the board feels the uh, same way as well. Well, that is good to hear. Uh, another question another question I heard was uh, that right now you're not supposed to be taking photos either within the museum or within the farmhouse. Uh, Correct. Do you think that's going to maintain? Or I, are, yes, are you I don't see that changing. Yeah, I, think okay. that'll, I think that will continue, and a lot of that is for safety reasons. Um, okay. Things of that nature, but yes, um, as far as as far as I can see, I think that will remain um, as part of the tour. And, and you know, that happens at a lot of museums across the country and historical sites. So um, it's not often common at wilder sites, but it is common at many other institutions. So, um, yeah, I think the board will yeah. continue to maintain that at this point. Okay. Well, I just wondered, it's met about two years lifted it on the houses and Mm-hmm. And as someone who likes to take photos, I always like Oh, certainly. Sure. I do, too. I do, too. And, you know, it's great 
ways to um, share about your visit and look and remember things. But as, as of right now, I think that will remain remain the same. Okay. Uh, is there anything in terms of long term plans or news uh, for, or news for the next year that people ought to know about? Well, as I mentioned, um, kind of the plans of taking down the old museum and things, that's really what we're focused on. Uh, we are also looking at ways to be more interactive with visitors who are uh, from a distance, who are not able to visit here. Um, in fact, I had a Zoom meeting this week with the other site directors, and we're discussing ways to make that happen for our visitors and ways we as us um i mean the staff here we are looking at ways to make the rocky ridge more interactive to school children across the country who are not able to come here in person um so yes we're working on different projects and different ways to uh, think outside of the box on ways to take mrs wilder to more people and to another generation and uh, I think that's very important as we go forward because, as I mentioned, Mrs. Wilder may not always be taught in classrooms, and children are not growing up necessarily always watching Little House on the Prairie as a, a main feature of a network television. It's played on reruns, of course, but not all children watch that today. So we have a new generation to engage in this in the stories uh, that have touched our childhood. So, uh, yeah, we're... We're trying to work on that and be creative, and hopefully we'll have great ways. We're also looking at ways that we can interact and be a stronger um, presence and in a, uh, as a way to promote our other sites because we we all know that we're working towards the same goal, and we want success for our uh, other sites, Wilder sites as well, and you know, uh, the sites have all worked together on the Passport Program, which is going to be a wonderful thing for visitors to be able to take to each site and have it stamped that you've been there. Um, so we're just looking at creative ways to network and to take Mrs. Wilder into the future. Okay. Uh, do you want to just uh, briefly tell people where they can find out more about the museum and you know, which which social media platforms they should look for you on? Well, of course, right now, so many people are engaged in Facebook, and we are trying to, as I mentioned, keep a very active presence on Facebook. So certainly visit the Wilder Homes um, Facebook page. And then also, um, of course, uh, we've just updated our website. So I would encourage visitors to visit there. And, of course, it is Laura Engel's uh, wilderhome.com and uh, that keeps you updated on news and how things that are going on here, preservation work, things of that nature that we've spoken about. So those are both great tools and um, we're really trying to stay engaged in both of those capacities. And if anybody is planning a, a trip later, another big site down there in southern Missouri is Branson. About how far are you from there? Probably a little over an hour. Yeah. It's, okay. Uh, so it's if you're planning to, to go to both. Branson, yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, uh, did you have anything else you wanted to share with our listeners? 
Well, I just want to thank you for continuing to beat the drum for Mrs. Wilder and for keeping her legacy alive in the capacity that you are. Um, You've been a great friend to Rocky Ridge Farm, Sarah, and I appreciate your patience with me and for having me on. Well, I really appreciate you coming on, and we certainly want to do all we can to support uh, the home sites. And again, if you, uh, this year especially, if you should look on all the home sites web pages, they almost, they pretty much all have online stores and Mm -hmm. find, you know, even a little something to buy helps keep them going. And they certainly are, all of them are appreciative. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you com- for coming on today, Nicholas. And yes. I know you you've got a meeting after this, so that's uh, all right. Thank you for being patient. And, You're welcome. Uh, and with that, I want to remind everybody that uh, Allison Engram's reading a little house books right now is every day at three thirty Central Time, and all the old chapters are on her Facebook page, and she's uh, had Dean Butler do Farmer Boy, and we're going to see more cast members on there. So if you like the books and the TV show, this is going to be an excellent way to do it. And uh, I also hope that everybody remembers to wash your hands and to brighten the corner where you are. love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.